Father, thank you for the presence of your spirit. Thank you that your word is alive. It speaks to us. And today as we open your word, I ask you to speak to every person in this room by your word, by your spirit. Touch our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us. Speak to us about where we are in our walk with you and how we can move forward in a powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're in a series called On Trial, talking about the challenges of life, different kinds of trials that we face. And last week we talked about the trial of temptation. Today I want to talk to you about the trial of sifting. Sifting, S-I-F-T-I-N-G, sifting. I want you to look at Luke chapter 22, if you would. If you don't have a Bible, it's no big deal. We'll have the verses on the screen. I'm going to start in verse number 31, Luke 22, verse 31. Here's what it says. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you, next verse 32, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Everybody, I think, pretty much knows this story about Peter with his aggressiveness, telling Jesus who he is and what he's going to be and what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. But one day, Jesus looked at Peter in the middle of one of these moments and said, Peter, Peter, I mean, he gets, gets his attention. Peter, I want you to know that Satan has desired you. He set his attention on you. He set his focus on you is literally what it says. He set his heart on you, and he wants to sift you like wheat. The word sift means to run something through a sieve. It's like kind of like sifting as, as women would do with flour in, in days gone by. But the whole idea is Jesus said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And what they would do with wheat when it was ripe, they would take the wheat and they would take these forks and on, on a threshing floor they would throw it up in the air and just keep tossing it and tossing it and tossing it and what it would do is it would separate the, the, the shaft and the chaff from the kernel of wheat and so the process is constant throwing Jesus said Peter it's like this Satan has desired to grab you and shake you and separate every part of you to see what you are really made of you say you're one thing. You say you'll do this. But Peter, Satan wants to shake you and shake you to find out what's really in you. Who are you and what are you? But Jesus said, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith will not fail. And prophetically, he said, as a matter of fact, when you go through this rough season and you get it all sorted out, I'm praying that when you return to me, you will strengthen the brethren. Because before this day is over, you're going to deny three times you've even known me. Now, it's pretty strong language, but I don't want to focus so much on the story of Peter today because I'm going to move to Daniel 3 in just a moment. But I want you to understand from Scripture what we're talking about. It's this process of sifting where the enemy says, I'm going to grab you and shake you because I want to know what do you really believe. 
What are you made of? What's really inside of you? What's the last thing that shakes loose when your life is shaken? I think Satan wants to find out from time to time in all of us, what do you really believe? Who do you really believe? What's really there? How many of you know that when the pressure's on, talk is cheap? How many of you are aware of that? It's different to stand on your faith and hold fast when the pressure is on. But yet we know that Jesus at the right hand of the Father is praying for us. There's another story in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the story of Job. And, you know, people read the story of Job through their theological twist. But the bottom line is, one day Satan showed up in the presence of God, and God said, Satan, where have you been? And he said, to just walking to and fro up and down the earth. Well, how many of you know God knows everything? He knew where he'd been, what he'd been doing. And he asked him the question, have you considered, have you noticed Job? He's an upright man, and he trusts me, and he believes me. And so the story goes that Satan said, yeah, well, you let me grab him and shake him. You pull down that wall of protection around his life, and we'll see whether or not he trusts you. I believe he'll curse you to your face. And God says, okay, you can touch him, but don't take his life. Well, so the story began, and so the challenge went. At the end of the story, Scripture says he never lost his integrity. Job never doubted God, never gave up on God. In the middle of all the questions and accusations from his friends, he never stopped believing God. In the middle of it all, people say, well, Job lost everything he had. Scripture says he was the richest man in the East, lost everything he had, but in the end, God gave him twice everything he'd ever had before. And today, I, I want to take this, and I want to walk you through some things. Look at Daniel chapter 3. There are times in our lives when God allows us to be sifted. When the enemy comes in and says, well, the only reason he serves you is because you've got this wall around his life and you, you built this hedge around her life and she has all these blessings. Well, you, you take away some of the blessings and see what happens. God says, for a season, let's, let's, let's put him to the test. Let's see what's there. I want to walk you through this. Look at Daniel chapter 3. We're going to skip into the story. We're going to begin reading in just a moment, verse 14. Here's the story. In the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, he became so great, he declared himself to be God. He built a huge idol. When it was all built, he told the people, now, when they play the music, everybody's got to bow down and worship my image, worship my idol. So whenever the music starts, everybody in the kingdom bow down and worship. So the first day they did it, and everybody bowed except for three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three guys who trusted God. They wouldn't bow. They came to him and said, hey, don't you know the king has decreed if you don't bow down, you'll be thrown into the furnace? They said, it doesn't matter. We're going to trust our God. We will not bow. So they take them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and they tell Nebuchadnezzar of what they have done. And pick it up in verse number 14. Daniel 3, verse 14. So Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up. Is it true what I've heard? You refuse to bow. Verse 15, now if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. 
Now notice the last thing he says in verse number 15. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? See, this is what sifting is all about. When Satan comes into the presence of God and says, yeah, yeah, I, I've noticed your servant. I've noticed their faith. I know, they, I know what they say. I hear the words. They say they believe you and they trust you. Well, why shouldn't you? You blessed them. You've got a wall around their lives. You're protecting them. You give them everything they need in life. Why shouldn't they serve you? And Satan says, you let me come in and hammer them and take some things away from them. And the only reason they serve you is because of the blessings, because of the candy, because of the good stuff. If you let me take it away from them, they'll curse you. And so this process of sifting begins. And everybody needs to understand today, sifting is the work of the enemy trying to separate us from God. Now, last week I, I talked about temptation. And I told you how the most precious thing God created was you and me, mankind. And God created us to be in relationship with, with us. And the moment God blessed mankind, Satan went to work trying to devalue what God values most. And this message today, we're going to look at some things that happened here in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with King Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to see how the enemy from time to time will come in and he will hammer us to the best of his ability trying to make us doubt God and not believe God. Now, I'm going to say something in the very beginning of this message today, and I want you to hear this. I don't care who you are or what you are, your faith is going to be tried in this life. You might as well say amen real loud right now. Amen. Your faith will be tried. Now, I know there are some people who say, well, if you've got real faith, you never have problems. Are you kidding me? Faith is for problems. If you don't have problems and challenges, you don't need any faith. Faith is for the challenges of life. There are going to be times when you will be challenged. But I think today you're going to see when the attack of the enemy comes, God tells us how to handle it. Now, in this story with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the first thing I see here is my faith determines who I worship. My faith, my belief system, that determines who I worship. Nebuchadnezzar said to these guys, look, if you bow down when the music plays and worship my image, it'll all be good. But if you don't, I'll throw you into the furnace. There's the test. Who are you going to worship? I don't care who you are and what you are. You will worship something. Everybody has things that are most important in their lives. God wants to build a relationship with us where our relationship with him and our faith in him is most important. What he said in his word is so true that we won't turn from the left or the right, but we keep walking in the word, expecting God to be who he said he is. That's the way God wants us to live. But it's interesting. One of the things that happens in life from time to time for every believer, Satan challenges us and sifts us because he wants our worship. He wants us to give up on God and worship things. Worship Him. Walk away from that relationship that is so precious. He wants to break it down so our faith is moved away from God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did Nebuchadnezzar want? Nebuchadnezzar said, you will not bow to some other God. You will bow 
to me. I will break your faith. That's what sifting's about. Now, I got to say this this morning. In this series, I've told you on a couple of occasions already that you know, there are a lot of times when the devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff he didn't have anything to do with. You know, I talked a few weeks ago about the trial that we go through because of poor choices and, and the coincidence that we face, the trial of coincidence. Talked about that. This one is the one that the enemy sends our way. This is the one where the enemy comes in and says, we're going to have a test. We're going to decide who this person really is and what they really believe. That's what sifting is all about. Satan wants our worship. But our worship is a statement about our faith. I'm here today lifting my hands, worshiping God. Why? Because I believe in him. I honor him. He's first in my life. Everything that goes on in my life, every good thing is because of him. My worship goes to God because that's where my faith is. And the interesting thing is when Satan begins to sift us, one of the first things he does is he tries to break our worship towards God. Because our worship is an expression of our faith. That's why... And please, I'm not picking on anybody today. I don't have any person in mind in the room. But that's why some of us are really self-conscious about, well, you know, I don't want to clap too loud. And I don't want to lift my hands too high. As a matter of fact, I don't want to do anything that would get anybody's attention. You know what that is? That's the enemy trying to make us self-conscious because he doesn't want us worshiping God. Why? Because he wants that worship. From the garden to today... It's been the same from the beginning of time as we know it to right now. That's how it operates. Satan tries to pull our worship away from God. Now, let me throw this in the mix. Do you know what Satan did in heaven, among other things? He was the worship leader. Before he fell, he was the worship leader in heaven. His body was made of beautiful worship instruments, musical instruments. He was the worship director of heaven until he fell. From the time he fell, he's been trying to direct us to worship him rather than worship God. He fell because of his envy. He fell because of his pride. He thought he could exalt himself above the throne of God. And since that day, he's been trying to devalue us by causing us to bow down and worship things other than God. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. Can I just go one step further in this? I'll show you something else. This is why Satan often attacks us in the area of finances. Because giving is a part of our worship. And he attacks us financially many times because he wants us to stop worshiping God with our giving. Because when we're in a tight place, what's the first thing we cut out? Well, I can't afford to give to God this week. Are you kidding me? We can't afford not to give to God because that's an expression of our worship. Old Testament, New Testament. That's why he attacks us in areas of finance. That's why he says to God, you let me hammer them in this financial area and he'll quit trusting you. And God says, no, he won't. Let's see what he does. See, every time I get a paycheck, I'm put to the test. Am I going to honor God with this or am I going to do other things? And, and, you know, our excuse is, well, God understands. No, God doesn't understand. Because God said, you do this first and I'll take care of you. How many could say, boy, this is good today? <laughs> How many would say, well, just move on to the next point? 
Well, let's do one. <laughs> Satan will create challenges that ask us to give up. And we either have to give up or take some major stand of faith. I read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Medigo, and I've read it and preached from it so many times in my life. But it's interesting. In the middle of this challenge, while all of this is happening, while the king is saying, bow down and worship me, and I'm going to throw you in the furnace, and these guys are standing here with this decision. The question is, where was God in, the, in all of this? Where was God? What was he doing? What was he saying? You look at it, he's pretty quiet. Because he wants to know, what do you believe? Who are you going to worship when the pressure is on? And I've been dealing with people in ministry for over 40 years. And I'm telling you, it's easy to serve God when everything's wonderful. The question is, what do you do when you're faced with the furnace? What do you do when times are tough? God was pretty quiet. And here's what I've learned. God seldom saves us from the fiery furnace, but he will use that furnace to purify and strengthen our faith. So we don't need to be afraid of the fire. So how do I respond? How do I respond to the challenge of the enemy? What do I do when I'm being sifted and the enemy says, I'm going to destroy you? What do we do? Look at the next verse, Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. As a matter of fact, let's stop here a moment. Put yourself in their place, okay? You want to be Shadrach, you want to be Meshach, you want to be Abednego. How many of you think, well, why didn't they just call them Peter, Paul, and James? It would have been a lot easier. I like the New Testament better. How do you remember these? Put yourself in their place. The king says, bow down. No, we will not bow. No, we're not going to bow. Bow down, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. What are you going to do? The king's last question was, do you really think God can get you out of this? How many of you have had times recently when the enemy whispered in your ear and said, do you really think God can get you out of this? Have you had that recently? Have you been faced with an impossibility and right in the middle of it you say, there is no way out? That's the enemy saying, what are you going to do? Let's read verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how this furnace was built, but i got to throw in a little, little side note, a little disclaimer here. This is a big deal, folks. This furnace is the big deal. This furnace is built to kill people who will not bow. That's the purpose of it. It's a fiery, fiery hole in the ground. It's a pit that is so hot, so hot, you throw somebody in there and it just burns them up within a few seconds. It's a hot place. This is a big deal. It's not a fairy tale. It's a big deal. The first thing you'll notice with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that I think we need to learn from today is they were not cautious about taking their stand of faith. I love their response. Oh, king, we don't even need to answer you in this matter. We've already given you our answer. We've already told you. We, we, we told them we're not going to bow down. We refuse to bow. 
That's our answer. We're not careful about, well, what do we say to the king? We don't want to offend the king. King, this is how it is. You're not the real king. The real king's up there. He's the only one we're going to bow to. You're just there because he's let you sit there on the throne for a while. So we're not going to bow to you. We're only going to bow to him. I think the first thing that we need to do when we get thrown into these circumstances and we wonder, what am I going to do? I'm being sifted and this whole thing looks impossible. What do I do? Number one, don't be cautious about taking a stand of faith. Don't waver. Don't say, oh, I better go talk to my psychologist and see what he thinks about all of this. I better go talk to Grandpa Joe. I better go talk to my brother. I need to go talk to my boss. I need to go to here. What you need to do, you need to go to God's Word and see what God's Word says about it. And that's where you need to take your stand right there. That's where I take my stand on what God has said. Don't be cautious. Why? Because God's got your back. As long as you're standing on God's Word, He's got your back. So don't be afraid to take your stand of faith. The second thing I think we need to do is we need to take control of the conversation. If you read these verses, it's amazing to me. The king says, okay, what are you guys going to do now? Oh, king, we're not afraid to answer you about this. We've already given you our answer. We're not going to bow. As a matter of fact, the God whom we serve, and notice what they do. They remove fear. They remove any consequence of this thing's going south and they take their stand of faith and they take control of the conversation. Oh, king, we're, we're not afraid to answer you in this matter. The God whom we serve, he's able to deliver us from that burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But let it be known to you, even if he does not, we are not going to bow. God help us to learn to take strong stands of faith and realize that the number one tool the enemy uses against us is natural reason. Well, what's it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? How many of you know the devil's got a lot of voices? He's got a lot of people who will tell you, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You better bow your knee. He's going to burn you up. Well, it must be God's will for you to bow your knee and worship the devil. No, it's not. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to do the only thing that works. He wants you to trust him. And you need to learn how to take control of the conversation and start speaking words of faith instead of reasoning and start speaking words of doubt. Because when you start getting into the arena of doubt and you start repeating what the enemy says, you will talk yourself out of faith. <clears throat> How many of you have ever woke up in the middle of the night and you've had a thousand negative things running through your mind about the situation you're in? Have you ever had that happen? There's times in my lifetime Many times when I've had to get out of bed in the middle of the night and go just get alone with God and talk to God because the enemy was screaming so loud and I realized I have got to take control of this conversation. I'm not going to let you fill my heart and my mind with doubt and fear and unbelief. I'm not going to wake up in the morning sick at my stomach and my stomach in knots. I'm going to take control of this situation because God says we can. By the, 
by the way, while I'm here on the subject, let me just go ahead and get it over with. Some will say, well, you're starting to sound like one of those faith preachers. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> because here's the deal. You're either going to have faith or you're going to have unbelief. One of two things. You're either going to believe God or you're not going to believe God. It's one of two things. And some of us, you know, it, it's, it's not about a magic word. It's not superstitious. It's what do you believe? Devil, here's the deal. You can put all the pressure on me you want to. I'm not going to bow my knee. I'm going to believe God. Even if things don't turn out the way I want and i got to go through this mess, I'm going to trust God because he will deliver me one way or the other. I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in. Some of us need to learn to control the words that are always coming out of our mouths because some of us are constantly feeding the enemy's fire with more doubt, more doubt, more doubt. I didn't say who, I said some of us. <laughs> to elbow somebody and say, he may be talking to you today. It's not magic words, it's what do you believe? Take control of the conversation and silence the enemy. Let me, let me give you a couple side notes. We're going to come back to Daniel 3 in just a moment. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. This is the New Testament. Paul said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not fight or war a fleshly battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When Satan comes against you trying to sift you, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get you mentally to give up and give in so you walk away from your faith. And Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, they're spiritual. They're spiritual. And they help us throw down the arguments of the enemy, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief he tries to pour in our minds. How many of you think that God's going to throw you in the furnace because he's upset with you? Do you really believe that? It's unscriptural. God wants to walk you through the furnace to prove to you and to the devil, I can take care of my children. They're not going to doubt me. Just keep believing me. That's what God says. Believe me. Trust me. I'll walk you through the furnace. It's going to be okay. But you got to be willing to believe me. Every one of us, the enemy will hammer us wherever he can, looking for a chink in our armor, a place where we're willing to give up. But spiritual battles demand spiritual responses. It's a spiritual war. Therefore, we have to respond in the ways of the Spirit and first realize, I'm not going to give up to the mental threats and all the voices. I'm going to take control of the conversation and then I'm going to take my stand of faith and I'm going to trust my God. What did we tell you about Satan last week? He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He cannot tell the truth. Quit listening to him. Quit listening to him. The king said, I'm going to throw you in this furnace, and where's the God that's going to take care of you then? He said, we're not worried about that. God will take care of us. You go ahead and throw us in. It's going to be all right, but you're going to, learn, you're going to be embarrassed, king. You might as well leave us alone right now. You know, you need to learn to look the devil in the face and say, you might as well leave me alone. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. And when this thing's over with, I'm going to be standing on top of your head, smashing you in the dirt with the victory that Jesus has. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. The only way to win battles is to fight. In this modern day of Christianity, where we, you know, Christianity's become so sterile, where we wear 
rubber gloves around, never get our hands dirty anymore. Well, it's just so wonderful now. Let me tell you something. If you're going to walk victoriously in God, you're going to have to learn to fight some spiritual battles because the enemy's trying to destroy your faith. Boy, this is good preaching today. I'm going to listen to this twice this week. It's so good. <laughs> Ephesians 6, here's what Paul said. Paul said God's given us spiritual armor for these battles. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he goes on the next few verses, he says, put on the armor of God, put on the helmet of salvation and start thinking like I'm saved, I'm a child of God and this is going to be okay. That's what that helmet of salvation is for, for you to realize everything God said is true. So I need to start thinking according to what's in here and not what's out there. Just because the devil doesn't believe this, he's a liar. He knows better. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. I need to quit listening to him and I need to think according to a saved child of God. And he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walk around realizing I am right in Jesus Christ. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And the devil says, yeah, but you've made a lot of mistakes. Yes, I have, but they're under the blood. God sees me as he sees Jesus. I got the breastplate of righteousness around my heart. You cannot lead me in a wrong direction. Then he says, gird your loins with truth. Just keep walking in truth. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to the lies. Stay on the path of truth. Don't give in to it. Keep walking in truth. Keep walking in truth. Everything that comes from within me, it's words of truth. It's not the lies of the enemy. And he said, I'm getting so excited, I got slobber on my face. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, saliva. <laughs> I just embarrassed my wife. She's, she's, she's from up north. She's not from down south. She didn't think that's funny. On your feet, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Walk in peace. Walk in peace. Walk in peace. Don't be afraid of the devil. Walk in peace. Well, he's trying to throw me in the fire. Well, wear those shoes into the furnace. They'll be okay. It's all right. Walk in peace. Then he said, take up the shield of faith. I'm not going to be afraid of anything. I don't need to be afraid. God's not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. It's going to be okay. Then he said, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When the enemy gets in your faith, tell him what Jesus said about it. Tell him what the Word of God says about it. Tell him what God says he's going to do. That's exactly what Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego did. They said, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. This is what matters. God will take care of me. Take up the whole armor of God. And then the next thing Paul says when he gets finished saying all that, he says, and pray, pray, pray. Let me tell you something. When you're under fire, pray about it. God will show you how to walk that thing out. Because you're his child. I remember when Zane, our youngest son, was about a year old, I guess. Just maybe not quite a year old. Zane, from the time he was born, was very active. I mean, he, to this day. You know, Zane doesn't st sit still for very long. He's very active. When he was about a year old, he, he got really sick and congested. Lungs got congested. Then he started having breathing problems really bad. And we, we rushed him to the hospital to see what was going on. Praying, believing God to touch him. And took him to the hospital. They start checking him out. And the next thing you know, they got him in a hospital bed. They got this oxygen tent over his bed. They've got all these eyes. They couldn't get the veins to work right. So they had IVs coming out of his head. You know, I mean, it was pitiful. He's not, not even a year old. And I'm looking at this. My 
baby boy laying there, you know. He's miserable. He can't get out of the bed. He can't hardly breathe. They ran all these tests, and the doctors came in and said, well, the only thing we know to tell you is he's got bad, bad, bad asthma. And he'll have this the rest of his life. And something rose up inside of me, and I realized this is a battle. This is a test. This is a furnace. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, some of you need to realize a lot of sickness is an attack of the enemy trying to steal away your health. And all of a sudden, I realized this poor little guy can't even fight for himself. And something rose up inside of me, and we began to pray. We begin to take authority over that thing. We begin to tell the devil, you're not going to put this on him. He's not going to live in sickness all the days of his life. He's going to be healthy, and he's going to be well, and he's going to be strong. And we took our stand of faith, and a couple days later, they released us from the hospital, and he has never been back to the doctor, the hospital with asthma since that day. And, I, and I'm going to go one step further. Some of you need to realize, read Isaiah 53. Healing is in the atonement. It's there for you to reach up and grab by faith. When the enemy throws sickness against you, stand up against him in the name of Jesus Christ. Take your stand and trust him. Take your stand and believe him. That's for somebody here today. I don't know who it is, but you need to know that's part of the cross. And say something cooler than that. I mean, we, we've, we've watched God do some other miracles in Zane's life. Got miracle news a few days ago. Zane and Olivia are going to have a baby. I'm going to be grandpa again. Number three. I guess God must have healed all of him, evidently. Look at verse number 19. i got to hurry. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Stoke the fire, make it seven times hotter. Verse 20, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace i mean put all their clothes kept all their clothes on them you know even their beanie caps got them all ready to go verse 23 and these three men shadrach meshach and abednego abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace then king nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he arose in haste and spoke saying to the counselors did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Now look at this. Tie them all up with all their clothes on, throw them in the fire, and they see them walking around, but all of a sudden there's four of them. And then when they come walking out, they're not tied up and they're not bound. The only thing that got burned up was the thing the king tried to put on them. That's all. That's all. And verse 27, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselor gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not upon them. 
There's a last thing I want to share with you. What happens when you take your stand of faith and the enemy says, okay, we're going into the fire. We'll throw you in the fire. Let God control the outcome. Let God control the outcome. See, one of the problems is we want to control the outcome. Okay, God, this is where you do magic, and I go flying out of here, and I wind up somewhere else. Okay, God, you need to do this. My faith says you need to do this, and you need that. You know what? Trust God and let him control the outcome. He knows what he's doing. But they're going to throw me in the furnace. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Let him control the situation and the outcome because God will go into the fire with you. I mean, isn't it amazing? that Here this heathen king looks in the furnace and says, oh my God, can you believe that? Didn't we throw three guys in there? I mean, it was so hot, the guards who threw them in, they were, they were killed by the heat. It was so hot that the king looks in there and says, wait a minute, I see four in there walking around. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Did you know that people around you are going to see when you walk by faith and you trust God? They're going to see that God's with you. They're going to know it's miraculous. The only way people around us are going to know who God is is when they see us walking through difficulties and we never waver and they see God walking with us. They give glory to God. We started this series we first read from James 1 and 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1 says that sometimes our faith is tested. But the testing of our faith makes it more precious than gold. The most precious thing I have is this relationship with God that has been tested time and time and time and time again. And God has never failed me. It's precious. But the only way your faith becomes precious is if it gets tested and you see what God can do. Matthew chapter 5. I'm almost finished. Don't you hear this? Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, given the Sermon on the Mount, talked for a moment about persecution. And he said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. One of the ways that the enemy sifts us is persecution. I talked earlier about finances. I talked about our health. One of the ways he loves to hammer us is with persecution. That's what happened with these guys. Persecuted for their faith in God. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. As a matter of fact, he said, great is your reward in heaven because they've done that to those who came before you. They even did it to Jesus. So just keep walking with God. Keep trusting God. I mentioned earlier in my little disclaimer, fire's scary, I know that. Furnace, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. But if we can learn to walk these things out with God in his time, it may be a minute, it may be an hour, it may be a day, a week, a month, maybe a year, I don't know. But in God's time, God is able to take that circumstance and not just strengthen your faith and deliver you as he did them, and you come out the other side better than when you went in. Not only that, it makes a statement that everybody around you who sees it has to acknowledge who God is. Nebuchadnezzar did. He changed the laws of the land. He said, from now on, their God is the only God we're going to worship. People are watching. 
Sometimes all we can see is the furnace. All we can do is smell the smoke. Scripture says when they came up out of the fire, the shackles were off of them. They, you couldn't even smell, you know, couldn't even smell smoke on them. That's how God is able to deliver us. And in closing today, I'm not here to tell you that these moments are easy. They're not. They're difficult. But God's the only one who can deliver us. God wants us to trust him. For those of you who are really calm and say, well, I, I came to hear teaching. I'm sorry for getting a little bit excited today. Well, no, I'm really not ex sorry for it, but I'm, I'm sorry if you didn't like my excitement. I got to tell you, God is the only one who can deliver you out of the furnace. You're either going to bow down and give up or you're going to trust God and let God be God. And sometimes we go in the furnace. It's okay. Jesus will be there. I want to pray for you today because I know in my heart there's some of you in this place today, you're going through tough times. It may be financially, maybe physically. I'm not here to put condemnation on anybody. I'm here to tell you, trust God. Take control of the conversation. Speak words of faith. Pray. Put on the armor of God. Take your stand and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. Some of you, it's your children. The enemy's beating on your kids and you're wondering what's going to happen. I'll tell you what to do. Pray that hedge of protection around their lives and ask God to keep them safe until their hearts are turned. Some of you, it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Hey, maybe it's the world around you. You're just... The enemy's beating on you, saying there's no hope for the future. Friend, there is hope. The hope is Jesus. But you got to believe him. you got to trust him. Here's what I want to do. I want to do it different today. I just, I just feel this so strongly. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I'll pray two prayers like I usually do Sunday morning. If you're going through a tough time right now and you're being sifted and your faith's being tested, I want to pray for you and I want you to stand to your feet. If that's you, if I've been talking to you today, you're being sifted, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you specifically today. Yeah, I thought so. Let me pray for you right now. Put your hands over your heart. Put your hands over your heart. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. There are precious men and women right now who are standing, who are being tested by the enemy. Father, they're going through tough times. It's tough right now. The enemy's trying to destroy their faith and break them down, but they're going to take their stand. They're going to stand for you. And Father, I pray you would strengthen them today. Help them to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth the shoes of peace on their feet, the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. Help them to pick up the armor of God and trust you and not give up in this battle and not bow and not give in. Father, use them in the middle of this situation to turn it all around in the name of Jesus. God, I pray you'd strengthen their faith, encourage their faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Help them to believe your promises. Stand on your promises. Not give up, not give in. Trust your voice over all other voices. In the name of Jesus.